But I think that's why it's good for us to know the Word of God, uh, to be students of the Word of God, to read the Word of God, because we're going to see things with our online capability today and the Internet. We're going to see things that are all false truths or half-truths. And how are you going to know the truth if you don't have the truth of God's Word instilled in your heart? You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. We're going to look at a message entitled Justified by Faith in Romans 3 verses 19 through 31. And I divided it into three sections. The purpose of the law verses 19 and 20. Righteousness apart from the law, verses 21 through 26, and justified apart from the deeds of the law, verses 27 through 31. Father, we thank you for your word, and I pray, Lord, that you would give us today teachable spirits. Lord, help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to your church today. Help us, Lord, to have lives, Lord, that are willing to walk in obedience to you. And Father, help us to have the faith that it takes to stand in your truth. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we find that righteousness is through faith in verses 24 through 26 that we are justified by grace. Being justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Our justification comes by grace. And I know you know the acronym, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. The grace of God that he has bestowed upon the whole world, that he sent his only begotten son, that we are justified, a word that could mean that just as if we have never sinned, we come into a walk and a relationship with the Lord, that we have redemption. It's a Greek word that speaks about being freed by ransom. Another way that you could translate that word redemption is paid in full. I like that. You know, it's always good when for the majority of our lives, since 1985 was the first time we took out a a car loan, Lily and I, at 25 years old. I think there was the first time rental companies would let me drive a car because I was 25 at that time. So it was the first time we bought a new car, needed a loan. We paid way too much for the interest. I think it was like 18.5%. It was way too much. It was a cheap car. So I could afford the interest on the loan itself. 
but nothing better when you have the paid in full, when it's paid off and it's finally yours. Quite often, by the time you get around to that, it's time to buy a new one and you've got to start all over again. But it feels good for a little while while you have that paid in full. This is that Greek word that is found here, redemption, freed by ransom, paid in full. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who has paid the debt that we could not pay. And it's stamped paid in full, but it's stamped with the blood of Jesus Christ. It's through his blood, his covering, that word propitiation that is found here in verse 25, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. Propitiation it is a Greek word that means to appease, to make atonement. Pastor Chuck used to break that word down, atonement, and say at one meant. We're at one with God because of the work of Jesus Christ. That Greek word for propitiation, it comes, uh, the Hebrew equivalent is kafar, which is a covering. It's the word that they use to describe the covering of the Ark of the Covenant. It became that covering. That was the place when the high priest would come in once a year to sprinkle the blood on the Day of Atonement, to have a covering for our sins. Remember when the Ark of the Covenant was captured by the Philistines, and then after several months they decided that they didn't want the Ark of God in their towns anymore after rats infested their lands, boils came upon their bodies. They tried to pass it off from town to town and eventually the other towns wised up and said, nah, you're not bringing that thing in our town. And they then, in their determination, whether these things just were happening because of circumstance or if God was actually bringing this curse upon their people, they built a new cart and they put oxen on it that well cows because they'd never been used for plowing before and they said just let them go and see where they go if they just graze around then it's not of God but if they head back to Israel then this was of God and they headed back to Israel and the people of Beth Shemesh saw the Ark of the Covenant coming and the men took the Ark down off that cart and they opened the lid, they removed the kafar, they removed the covering, and 70,000 died there. Because they removed the covering, they were exposed to the law of God. And we cannot stand before the law of God. We need a covering. Jesus Christ has become that covering for us. We find there on the Day of Atonement, in Exodus 30:10, Moses wrote, And Aaron shall make atonement upon it, its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once a year he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. And we find Jesus being that propitiation again in 1 John 4.10. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be a 
propitiation for our sins, a covering for our sins. First John 2, 2, he himself is our propitiation for our sins and not of ours only, but for the whole world. It's Jesus who has become that covering for our sins. And by sending Jesus to be that covering for our sins, God has demonstrated his righteousness first through his forbearance, uh, a Greek word that refers to holding back or delaying punishment, his forbearance of passing over sins that had previously been committed against God, sins that had once been left unpunished, were laid upon Jesus upon the cross when he died there. But let me say that all sins, past, present, and future, were laid upon Jesus on that cross. Jesus became that covering, not that he should come back every year to offer himself again and again like the high priest had to do on the Day of Atonement, but Jesus came, as the author of Hebrews tells us, and what he did, he did once and for all. In 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. You know, I saw an article come across a Facebook feed this week that the author of this article said that Jesus didn't come to die for our sins. Said it's not in the Bible. I couldn't read the article. It's like, what Bible are you reading? Because I, I see it all over the place in the Bible. First of all, it was testified by the law and the prophets in the Old Testament. And you have to readjust Isaiah 53, as the Orthodox Jews do today, to say that the servant is, that is being talked about there is not a person, but the nation Israel, although we know that it's the person, Jesus Christ. Or you have to skip verses of Scripture like I just read to you, 1 Peter 2.24, For he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed, who himself bore our sins. Whose sins? If Jesus didn't come to die for the sins of the world, whose sins did he bear when he died on the cross? Well, I couldn't read the guy's article. It's just not worth plowing through it. Unless there was one of you guys coming up saying, look, I found this article, and then I would take the time to read through it because then I'd want to point you to the truth and away from falsehood. But I think that's why it's good for us to know the Word of God, uh, to be students of the Word of God, to read the Word of God, because we're going to see things with our online capability today and the Internet. We're going to see things that are all false truths or half-truths. And how are you going to know the truth if you don't have the truth of God's Word instilled in your heart to know what is false or what is truth? And so sometimes we may not understand, but we can have a greater understanding through knowing the Word of God. Sometimes we might need some help. We can come to uh, your pastor, come to brother or sister saying, I read this article and just something doesn't feel right about it. Would you give me your thoughts on this? And we can together work through these things, but it's good to get God's word in us that we'll know truth from a lie. And he did so, verse 26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness 
that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. It is through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that God has demonstrated his righteousness and his great love toward us. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But how has God demonstrated this great love toward us? How has God demonstrated his righteousness to us? First of all, we find that God, by the blood of Jesus, has passed over sins that were previously committed. Secondly, that sin's price had been paid through the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross. And that means sins past, present, and future. Third, we find that God's righteousness remains intact because the price of the sin has been met. And fourth, God has become the justifier, declaring those who have faith in Jesus Christ as righteous. Justice demanded that our sins be paid. And God could not have turned his back on these things. To forgive our sins without first receiving a payment of our sins would have caused God to stand in question. But he is both the just and the justifier. Therefore, God sent Jesus, who has satisfied the debt of our sins through his own body upon the cross, that God would be both the just and the justifier of our sins. Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So righteousness apart from the law is found through faith in Jesus. People to Jesus. Paul concludes chapter 3, verses 27 through 31, by asking five questions. I titled this, Justified Apart from the Deeds of the Law. We find the first question in verse 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? By works? No, but by the law of faith. Verse 28, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. So justified by faith, verses 27 and 28. The first question, where is boasting then? Boasting is taking pride in or bragging about something that you have accomplished. And regarding our salvation, no one can boast about being justified in the sight of God. Boasting has been excluded it means to be shut out or made impossible because by the deeds of the law, no flesh is justified in the sight of God. And the second question, by what law? It is a Greek word that can mean law, rule, or principle. Perhaps principle would be easier for us to understand this. By what principle does this take place? Well, is it the principle of works? No, Paul says. It is the principle of faith. Having concluded that we are not justified by work, by the works of the law, our justification comes through faith. By grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourself. It is a gift of God, and not of works, lest anyone should boast. So boasting has been excluded. It has been shut out by the principle of faith. In verses 29 and 30, we find questions three and four or is he the god of the jews only 
Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So the third and fourth questions. Third question, is he the God of the Jews only? Fourth question, is he not also the God of the Gentiles? And the answer to both is the second. Yes, he is the God of both the Jews and the Gentiles. And Paul was dealing with, what well, with the Jews, it was the feeling of elitism. And the Jews looked down upon other nations because of the special relationship that they had with God. Paul had already said that the Jews did have an advantage over the other nations. It's because of the law of God. We learned this last week in Romans 3, verses 1 and 2, where he said, What advantage has the Jew, or what profit is of circumcision? And Paul's answer, much and in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. The advantage is that God had given the law to the Jewish people. And yet, this is where their advantage stops. Because whether Jew or Gentile, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we find in Acts 17, 26 through 28, when Paul was in Athens preaching a message to those on Mars Hill, he told them that God had made from one blood every nation of men to dwell upon the face of the earth. He has determined their pre-appointed times, their boundaries, their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. And though he is not yet far from each of us, for in him we live, we move, we have our being, as some of your own poets have said, for we are all his offspring. Whether Jew or Gentile, God created us all. The advantage of the Jews is that God did not make them grope as deeply as for the Gentiles. God revealed himself to Abraham. God gave Moses the law. He let the Jewish people know how they could have a relationship with him. But then that law that he gave them was ultimately to point them to the coming Messiah. So God created in the everyone in the world, whether Jew or Gentile, that through faith they could have a relationship with God. Therefore, Paul wrote in Galatians 5, 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. The fifth question, verse 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish it. So the law was not made void by their faith, but actually the law was established. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, Do not think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. The Believer's Bible Commentary explains it this way. The law demands perfect obedience. The penalty for breaking the law must be paid. The penalty is death. If a lawbreaker pays the penalty, he will be lost eternally. The gospel tells us that Christ died to pay the penalty of the broken law. He did not treat it as a thing to be ignored. He paid the debt in full. Now anyone who has broken the law can avail himself 
of the fact that Christ paid the penalty on his behalf. Thus, the gospel of salvation by faith upholds the law by insisting that its utmost demands must be and have been fully met. We look at the law of God and and we still to this day in the church age, we look at the Ten Commandments themselves and we find that there is validity to the commandments of God. And there's validity in striving to walk in the commandments of God. But yet it is Jesus Christ who has met and kept the law perfectly. And beyond that, Jesus, it could have been that God would have sent his only begotten son to show everyone in the world that sinlessness by the keeping of the law is possible. He could have displayed that through Jesus. We have other issues, other problems. As I was drawing out this illustration, we still have to deal with our inherent sin nature from the fall of Adam and Eve, but let's remove that for a moment and just think that we have been born in sinless perfection like Jesus. Jesus could have came to show us how to live, how to walk a perfect life, and then went to be back with his Father. And yet, Jesus came not only to show us how to live and to walk a perfect life, and he died, but in his death, he paid the price of the sins that have been committed, our sins. Galatians 3, 23 and 24. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for faith that would afterwards be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. And we are justified apart from the deeds of the law through faith in Jesus Christ, justified by faith, Jesus paying the debts that we could not pay. Paul has revealed from chapters 1 to 3 and the climax of this argument that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, but also Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.11, there is none who understand, there is none who seek after God. Romans 3.12, they have all gone out of the way. They have all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. That coming from Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3. But the Bible from the Old Testament in the Law of the Prophets not only represented uh, prophecies concerning Jesus Christ, but they also showed, as Paul used eight Old Testament passages to show that all of sin falls short of the glory of God. But thankfully, God is both the just and the justifier. God has paid the debt of our sins through the sending of his son, Jesus, who there on the cross bore our shame, bore our sins, and finished the work that the Father had given him to do. He did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And as a result of that, God is now both just and the justifier. God is still just because he gave the law, and the law said the penalty is death, and the debt of that law now has been paid through Jesus Christ. And now, as we know, as believers in Jesus Christ, that through the pain of that debt, we are now able to be saved through faith in Jesus. 
Father, thank you for your word that you have taught us this day. And I pray, Lord, that, Father, maybe there was a time when we came and we received Jesus as our Savior. But over the passage of time, Lord, we've been striving through the works of the law to perfect our salvation. Lord, maybe you just want to remind us today that we can't perfect what is already perfect. Lord, that you have made the path of salvation through Jesus Christ. And it's us by faith that we are saved. So, Father, today maybe it's just a reminder of your great grace that you've paid through the sending of your Son, Jesus, and the debt that you paid on the cross, that we might, through faith in you and your work, know that we are saved, and that we walk now redeemed of the Lord, justified just as if we have never sinned, and we walk in faith as you're redeemed this day, Lord. Direct us even now, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Yeah.